0: Good afternoon, everybody. Dan Edwards here with the Seattle's Eastside Real Estate Podcast. It is December 16th, 2020, the last one of this wonderful year that is 2020. We welcome everybody to our show. Thanks for watching. And if you're watching live online, I'm glad you joined us today. Um, You can listen to this and past podcasts at our website at the team.com or anywhere podcasts are casted. We have a great show for you this week. Um, also will be joining us this week is Doug Peterson, our financial guru from Get Priority Straight. And we're going to be talking about a number of things today. But first off, I would like to put a shout out to uh, currently we have three days left for the best Christmas ever donations. We've sponsored a local family here in Bellevue that we are helping. Uh, they have fallen on hard times. We are about 58% to our goal. We got three days left. So spread the word, share this post on Facebook, go to eastside.team slash donate. Eastside.team slash donate. You can, our uh, gift giving ends um this friday so all orders for any gifts so you can either donate a money uh monetary amount or you can donate gifts the gift link is eastside.team slash gifts we keep it simple so click on eastside.team slash gifts and help us round out for this family of four children that are um, struggling through 2020 we want to make this the best christmas ever for them and we hope that you will donate um today's topics we are talking about not only what, what happened in the month of November, uh, but also what to expect in 2021. That is the most common question that I get from a lot of people today. So, um, and if you didn't know who I was, I didn't say I'm Dan Edwards, managing broker of the Eastside Real Estate Team. We are a local brokerage. Uh, we're actually a local real estate team within the Keller Williams uh, Bellevue office, serving the greater Eastside, Seattle and beyond. Happy to help you. If you ever have any questions, you can shoot me a text, find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, uh, World Wide Web. Is that still a thing? team.com. So let's first start off. I'm going to share, um, let me see. I'm going to share our November marketing report here. I'm going to post this up on the screen. So take a look at um, November um, basically, uh, it, you know, reflects what what we're going to say is uh, let's see, I think November 12, 13, 14, 14 consecutive months of year-over-year reduction of inventory. So you can kind of see just King County itself dropped 17%, but on the east side, it's 37%. And that is, uh, by my calculation, going back to October of, last. excuse me, September of last year, 14 months of year-over-year reduction of inventory. Um, Where that puts us, and this is one of my favorite charts, it's called the Market Action Index every single one of these data points are active pending solds. active pending solds. So the higher amount of active pending solds, the, the higher the data points. So when you see less homes come on the market or less homes go into contract or less homes go sold off contract, you'd see those numbers decline. Take a look at 2020 uh, how it shaped up is January shot out of a cannon. Uh, we hit a peak, of course, um, generally speaking, that peak would have actually continued, but we had COVID. So you saw a little bit of a reduction, a little pullback um, of inventory, and then another um, you know, catapult above the 62 where we were in, um, I think that's April, and has r- remained at a pretty high level with a slight taper off for the holidays, which is pretty typical no matter what. But generally, it's going to be more... Um, uh, what's that word, uh, parabolic, right? Where it goes up and then down, parabolic. Word of the day, maybe, parabolic. I don't know, somebody look it up. Anyways, um, you can see that it's kind of sustaining and, and my prediction is if you see where we're at now in December, we're probably gonna see an uptick in, in transactions again. So you're gonna see it start from 65 and continue up because this tends to be the time where right now, uh, as, you, as I mentioned earlier, the inventory is low. Um, let's see, we are, it, I don't think that number is in here, but our, our months of inventory is how we determine, um, the, um, uh, hotness of a market. So, um, it's called absorption ratio. So for every area, there's a rate of sale of homes and the rate of available homes. So you divide the two and that's what the absorption ratio is balanced market five, five months we're at a half a month right now, 0.6. Okay. Not quite a half a month, but that's the lowest it's been. I think we got down to 0.8 back in 2018. So I'll have to go back and look at my numbers, but I have a feeling that's the lowest it's been. So if you are in a position to buy, be patient, be aggressive, be prepared, be pre-approved, all of the above. As a seller, Um, you still need to be compelling because there are a lot of people that are kind of, they have this, this first time home buyer fatigue where they just don't, they they see the market and they're, they're, um, frustrated by the, um, the, the fact that they're paying top dollar and they're competing and these homes aren't picture perfect. So we like to prepare our homes because we want to provide any potential buyers with a level of confidence, pre-inspection, those types of things. So as a seller, yes, you can just put it on the market, but don't expect just to get any price. It does need to be backed up by comparables. So that is that is November in arrears, and we have these reports every month. You can find them on our website under uh, market reports, um, and you can kind of look back and see. But where where are we headed? That's the, uh, that's the real question. So as I look back at our um, kind of what is the – what is the there there? Let's first talk about the economy. So um, Tim Doy from the University of Oregon uh, puts it this way. He says, there's nothing fundamentally broken in the economy that needs to heal. There's no obvious financial bubble driving ex- um, the excessive activity in any economic sector. Uh, so essentially COVID, uh, they're surging again, and that makes it understandably hard to look optimistically Um, But don't let those near-term challenges distract you from an economic stage uh, that's being set for the next four years. Um, Secondly, interest rates. So economics, I I do believe that there is going to be some economic fallout. In the Northwest, uh, we have a high proportion of workers that that have remained employed and productive, and in some cases, even more productive. So I see that staying the same. I don't see that changing in the foreseeable future. Now on the other side, interest rates, that's an affordability index. And most people don't realize that interest rates have a bigger impact on affordability than home prices because of a 30 year mortgage. So um, the predictions right now are that they're expected to stay at or near the 3% level. Um, They'll continue to make housing demand uh, for 2023 high. And then number um, um, number three are the future of home sales. Um, we're going to, uh, let's see, future home sales are forecasted to grow. What that means is the only way out of this, uh, housing, uh, boom is really builds. So new construction, if we are, if we don't have, um, enough homes supply, um, demand stays high, people remain employed. So I don't, I don't really see that changing overnight. Sometimes unforeseen circumstances can cause change, but from a general uh, bottom line, um, 2021 in the Northwest in this area is gonna stay pretty hot. So if you're thinking about buying or selling, be prepared. If you're thinking about selling, be prepared. And then finally, um, yeah, I guess the, the long story short is the the um, the idea of having a home as an asset. And I wanna bring in our guest, Doug Peterson to kind of discuss this a little bit. Um, I, from, from a standpoint of financial security, Doug, what, what kind of level, what kind of factors do you place home ownership?
1: Well, that's, that's kind of a complex question. <clears throat> if homeownership is important to you, having an asset, critical. We've been seeing how home prices have increased. So you can certainly get a lot of appreciation for little money relatively because you're not going to pay for the whole thing. The bank's going to finance it. And your interest is deductible, but, you know, it's, it's a whole picture. And I want to make it clear, Dan, that I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor, and I don't sell any products. What I do is help people really optimize their income, and it comes back to priorities. If a home is a priority for you, it's a great investment. And, you know, <laughs> we've certainly benefited with owning a few homes over the years, and as things have gone up, it's been a great hedge against inflation.
0: Awesome. Now, let me just point out something that I think you, you, you hit on is let's take um, a mortgage or a, um, a place to live as one thing, right? So as a, as a home, as a place to live, everybody's got to live somewhere, right, Doug? Absolutely. Okay. So by default, you're going to have some kind of expense on a home, right? Or on a, a place to live. Let's not say home because I want to differentiate it. So if you're renting you're paying you know your rent if you're a homeowner you're paying a homeowner if you're living with mom and dad, hopefully you're saving money right so either way that is a that's an automatic okay so now let's separate the home from the investment side um, stocks bonds Bitcoin just cleared 30, twenty thousand woohoo don't know why or what or any of those things um, but that's interesting. saw that today um, I had some bitcoin change in my in my cyber wallet and it's now worth 130 bucks. <laughs> I just, whatever, it's a kind of a weird thing, but either way, but there's an investment, right? And I was talking to my uh, kids the, the other day and just talking about investments and ooh, watch, you put $100 into Boeing stock and it goes up and you, you make some money and that's cool and then you sell it and you pay some taxes on the gains and that's all cool and I said, okay, right. Now let's take an investment that instead of paying $100 for, you paid 20, okay? So you paid $20 for this investment and when it goes up to 150, you still recognize that extra $50 gain, Um, but you're still only paying back that 20, um, well, you're only out equity wise 20 and from a standpoint of having to live somewhere, you're paying rent, but instead of paying rent, you're actually paying to that stock to pay that stock back so that you own it 100%. And I, and I said, which of the two investments would be better, the first one or the second one? And, and uh, they're both you know, high school grads from Skyline area. So they knew the answer right away. They're like, the second one, that's much better. I said, that's what home ownership is. So when you invest in real estate, whether you're actually living in it or you're actually um, going to uh, invest it as a rental property, um, look at the difference, right? So as, I, as, I, as you said, you know, you're not a financial advisor, right? You're, you're talking about getting, you know, their pro- financial priorities. And when you already have an expense that is a um, living situation, how much better it is to leverage the opportunity that we have. Because I, I sell people homes, not investments. If they're an investor, we talk about investments. But if you're a home buyer, it's a home. And then the bonus is that appreciation and investment makes sense?
1: Absolutely, and then I think you know people need to understand that in any one year something can go down. Yep, historically, real estate has always gone up over the long haul, and it's the same thing with stocks. Again, I'm not a stock guy, but any good financial planner will tell you, don't try to time the market, don't try to just do it for one or two years. And the same thing with a home, you know, in buying a home. It makes a lot more sense if you just factor in the cost of acquisition, closing costs, Yep, sit on it for a while. But I would say if you don't have a home, uh, real estate is a great investment and there's lots of benefits.
0: Awesome. Thanks for your resounding endorsement, Doug. I appreciate that. Now let me jump into the introduction for those of you that haven't seen Doug on the podcast before. Uh, Doug Peterson is with Get Priority Straight, and he is uh, owner of a company that's dedicated to helping individuals maximize their personal income and improve their ability to invest. Today, Doug's going to be speaking with us about setting New Year's resolutions. So, uh, in that, welcome back to the show, Doug.:
1: Thank you. Great to be here again.
0: All right, so Doug, uh, what advice do you have for people when it comes to holiday spending?
1: We're emotional creatures. And most of us tend to spend out of, out of impulse and emotion, and not, not 100%, but when it comes to holiday spending, often you go, yeah, you know, things are tight, but oh geez, you know, I just wanna get some people gifts. I wanna buy them more stuff. And it's not just the stuff. If we can be intentional about our financing, we can uh, do so much better in finding better deals and thinking about what can we do outside the box? How many people actually write a short handwritten letter inside of a gift? Hmm. But what are you spending? Are you spending your life, your energy, your emotional capital? So one really simple way, super simple, is decide how much you wanna spend and keep track of it. And as we get shorter on that amount, we get more creative. Hmm.
0: I like that. So tracking what you're spending and, and uh, going over that list. That's a great tip. All right. So does the holiday season add additional financial stress? Yes or yes. Yes or yes. Sometimes (laughs) no
1: while they're in denial and the credit card bills haven't hit. Hmm. But The holidays, historically, you know, everybody says it's the greatest time of year, and it is a good time of the year, but it's also one of the most stressful times of year for people. Yeah. Especially people that have experienced loss or in some financial challenges or, you know, really want their kids or family to have a great Christmas. And, you know, that adds more demands on us. So, yeah, it can be very stressful. And the more that we think about what we're going to do, the better off we are. When things are predictable, it creates certainty. When things are unpredictable, you have less confidence. Hmm. So the more that you can set expectations that are appropriate, you know, maybe with your kids, yeah, we're going to have some presents and holidays, but we're going to do it in a measured way. And this is more about, it's, it's it's more than just giving gifts.
0: Yeah. And I think this year specifically, um, we're all under a, a certain level of stress, you know, as the, I don't know if you heard about this COVID stuff. What? Yeah, it's COVID. Right? Uh, You know, placing us in proximity um, and I'm super, super happy to be stuck at home with the people I'm stuck at home with. They're great. um, And it's been great to grow close to each other, but that continual proximity to lead to friction. So adding to that, you add the financial stress. So um, we can't do anything about this year, but how about the next holiday? What can we do to plan better for the next holiday?
1: I feel if we did all the basics in life, the real simple ideas that we'd all do much better. In fact, most of us don't do most of what we know.
0: So, so we know what to do, but we don't do it.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, <laughs> if I was so enlightened, I'd be skinny. I can teach weight loss. <laughs> However, if you just took the simple idea, if you want $1,200 for Christmas next year, set aside hundred dollars in January. 100 in February, it's a lot easier to come up with 100 than 1200. If you want 2400, make it 200. Start in January. And we, I do this with everything with my clients. Mm-hmm. We set aside $150 for car maintenance. We set aside $20 for license tabs. By the time you set aside all the stuff you're already committed to, it's like time. There's not much time in the day. If you've listed everything you've got to get done, there's not much time left. Well, if you list everything you've already committed to, you now know how much you have left and it's easier to make good choices. So for next year, whatever that amount is, just start building your funds so you have a cash Christmas. There's another thing, Dan, is that when people use cash, they tend to spend 23% more or less than when they use credit.
0: 23% more when you use cash. So that's an instant savings.
1: Yeah, they actually spend 23% less.
0: Oh, I said more, sorry. From credit.
1: (laughs) And it's because there is a chemical in our brain that actually is released when we take money out and let go of it. Credit cards, the chemical is not released. There is an MIT study. And that's one of the reasons McDonald's, such a low price range, went to credit cards because there's a processing fee. They sold about 30% higher, because Dan, shoot, you know, hey, I'll just put on my card. How about we super size it? Do what? I'll buy you lunch. It's kind of interesting how, how the financial industry has worked on our brain science to use it against us.
0: Yeah. I I would definitely agree. There's a difference between like when you, when you start like fork out 40 bucks for dinner versus throwing your card on there and signing. I mean, it's absolutely not that I spend $40 at McDonald's. Let me be clear. I'm just talking about other, other places. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No. All right. So um as we were talking about New Year's resolutions, uh, what is a good first step to financial mastery in the new year? We've all probably heard
1: about the envelope system, kind of like I was saying for, for Christmas and setting aside a certain amount. Well, that's, that's kind of impossible because mm-hmm. who wants to carry around envelopes of cash? That'd just be bizarre. <laughs> but do think about, you know, what are the expenses you know are going to happen every year? You know, for me, it's yard maintenance, it's home maintenance, it's like I mentioned, license tabs and car repairs and insurances, and start thinking about, all right, if that's true, you know, how can I start setting aside money out of every paycheck, giving giving every dollar a job so when I need it, the money's there. Mm-hmm. In my case, I have a $5,000 life insurance policy that comes up in May. It's always painful to write the check. Yeah. But I set aside money every month and the money is there in May and it makes it much less stressful. So if I was to ask how can you get started, start setting aside the knowns. You know we have Christmas, you know we want to have a vacation and start moving to having the money before you spend it. It's amazing how many people go on vacation and put it on their credit card and now they're spending a year paying off what they did last year.
0: At a ridiculous interest rate too, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So last question for you, what are the common mistakes that people make with new year's resolutions?
1: I think we all know this one. (laughs) We set up big goals and we don't set up any kind of plan to do it. There's Mm -hmm. no accountability. We need a clear vision of what we want to do. If it's something we've never done before, we need support to help us get there. Uh, we also may need someone to teach us how, just because we want to do something doesn't know, mean we know the steps to get there. So I would say, you know, get really clear on what you want to do, get some support because you're certainly not doing it now. If you, if it's a resolution and then get clear on what the steps are and just take off, do what you can do. Don't take it all on all at once.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I actually started, uh, there's a book out there called the 12 week year. Have you heard of this?
1: great book. I put it on yeah. my website as a recommendation.
0: So we're actually doing that uh, as a team we're doing we're setting our goals in in 12 weeks. And the the idea there is that accountability of a deadline, right, produces a level of productivity up to that deadline. It's a, it's human nature. It's you know, I don't I, I always you, the Procrastination Club, I, I'm a member and you know we haven't set our first meeting yet, but we'll get to it. You know, um, Because once you actually put a hard, fast timeline, a little inside secret is I'll, I'll put work for me to do, like a meeting that I have to go to, and I'll put it there because I know that if I don't set that meeting until I'm ready, then I'll never be ready because I won't put myself in that. So the idea of setting these goals... Um, uh, and, and not setting a yearly goal, but setting a 12 week goal allows you to run to a certain spot. So Doug, along those lines, since you're a, a theory, uh, member of that, how can people utilize your services to leverage these financial pr- principles?
1: Well, the easiest way is just to give us a call and have a conversation because we'd be happy just to meet with anybody at no obligation and see if we can give them some ideas to move forward. At that point, we can explain how our program works. And if it makes sense, you can move forward. But just about everybody, I can help with some suggestions where they can afford it or not. And Dan, on the 12-week year, we implemented that second quarter of last year. Cool. And it's a tremendous program. I recommend it to everybody. And we all need it. It doesn't matter if we can teach, teach it, it. Doesn't We may not be doing it. So having a structure in place really helps.
0: Awesome. All right. So finally, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, my email address is Doug at GetPriorityStraight.com. Uh, the phone number is 206-264-4424. And you can always go to our website at GetPriorityStraight.com.
0: All right. Doug, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You're your valuable asset to anybody watching our show and uh, to all of our clients that we introduce you to, helping them get their priorities straight. Thanks for coming on and have a very happy holidays.
1: Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. All right, so we're gonna move into our next new segment. This is a Stump the Broker segment. So what this is, is Erica, our buyer's agent. Erica, welcome to the show, how are you? Good.
1: Thank you. I'm good. How about you?
0: Doing great. I understand uh, you're out there actively working with buyers in today's market and you had a question for me that we can uh, answer here live. I have no idea what the question will be. We did not script this in advance, so I hope, uh, hopefully you don't stump the broker, but let's see.
1: Oh, it's one I
0: think you cannot answer it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a couple of questions uh, that uh, first-time home buyers they always ask me. But I'm going to ask only one today and leave the other one for next show. Okay. <laughs> so the most question uh, they have and they get a little scared about is earnest money.
0: All right. So the question is, um, uh, how do I lose this earnest money? Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, they they don't know what a earnest money is. Of course we know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and. What is earnest money and uh, if I lose it in case something happens?
0: Okay. So to answer that question, honestly and frankly, never have any of my clients ever lost their earnest money. Um, so earnest money is a, an amount and it can be any amount, any agreed upon amount by both buyer and seller. Um, and it holds the buyer to the contract and to the specific performance of the contract. What that means is there are all these terms, conditions, contingencies in a purchase and sale contract. And if the if the buyer violates or doesn't honor any of those, the result would be a um, default and the default results in forfeiture of earnest money, right? So that sounds super scary, right? Like you said, first time home buyers are like, well, that's really kind of scary. Um, so here's the deal is, Um, that's only if they don't do what they say they're going to do. So we go down every bit of the contract and we explain what each part is. And the common thing is subject to inspection, right? So if a house is subject to inspection and um, you know, if they decide they don't want to buy the house because of the inspection, they're, fearful that they'll lose their earnest money. Well, as long as that inspection report says you have the right to do that, as long as it is contingent on that review process, then even if you back out at that point, you get your earnest money back. So that's like the biggest fear. And let me just be a little bit more specific with what is earnest money. In addition to holding that contract together, it gets applied to their down payment. Or closing costs, depending. So it's not just a random amount of money. That's there, um, some some in the past in some states actually have where you know you pay just to be in contract. No, no, no. This is actually applied to the against the purchase price as a part of the down payment. And as I say that, I hear the jingle bells on the top, and it sounds super serious with my reindeer <laughs> antlers.
1: <laughs> I know from where that came from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so um so yeah Erica thank you for asking that question I appreciate it.
1: Sure.
0: All right we thank hope you, f- you
1: thanks for answering thanks for yeah. having me here.
0: So we're going to have Erica in future segments, ask those common questions that buyers and sellers ask us. And we hope you find that useful throughout our show. Now, um, in conclusion, we already talked about the best Christmas ever, but I am going to bring up something to do, right? COVID holiday, you know, a very COVID Christmas has ruined it for a lot of folks. Um, We went out, our crack staff and marketing director went out and uh, surveyed some of the best holiday displays on the East side. So you can, Pack the kids up in the car and check out these locations for our Christmas uh, uh, light display. So you can put on some cool music, put some uh, hot cocoa in some tumblers and go for a drive and, you know, sing as loud as you want in the car. Or you can even roll down the window and sing. I mean, I don't think that's against any COVID restrictions, right? So roll down the window and what is it? The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So um, we hope that you and your family have a very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all of the holidays. We just hope that um, you get some comfort, some relaxation. Um, And uh, we come out of this um, very interesting year, one for the ages, one that we will always talk about at future holidays. And we thank you all for your support. We thank you for your referrals. We thank you for um, doing business with us. Um, The Eastside Real Estate Team is so grateful to have so many great people. Um, being willing to be a part of our tribe. So thank you very much. Have a Merry Christmas.